Join Capital Group CEO Mike Gitlin for a new monthly edition of the Capital Ideas Podcast. It's your look inside one of the world's largest asset managers. Subscribe wherever you get your podcasts. Invest 30 minutes today. American Funds Distributors, Inc. From Silicon Valley to Wall Street, the promise and perils of artificial intelligence are playing out on the world stage. But what will the next phase of AI adoption look like? Which companies from big tech to startups will dominate? And where do the risks and unintended consequences lie? I'm Emily Chang. Join me at Bloomberg Tech in San Francisco, May 9th, to answer many of the industry's burning questions. Alongside SNAP's Evan Spiegel, Xbox President Sarah Bond, OpenAI's Brad Lightcap, top researcher Dr. Fei-Fei Li of Stanford, and many more. More details and just a few tickets left at Bloomberg.com slash TechSF. All right, let's have a look at uh, what we are seeing with market action and get to our guest. Chuck Lieberman is co-founder and chief investment officer at Advisors Capital Management, discussing all the latest on the markets, joining us from New Jersey. So certainly we are watching uh, the protests against the COVID controls spread in China. Before we get to the, the broader macro picture on the inflation and the Fed, how much does this complicate things for the overall global picture? Well, it certainly does that. Um, it's unclear how the Chinese government is going to respond. Uh, further lockdowns would obviously be very disruptive to global supplies of products coming from China and, and also undermine demand. Uh, but if they uh, allow the virus to spread, uh, that could also be very disruptive. All right. Well, let's talk as well about uh, the broader picture, because we're looking at whether or not inflation has peaked and, and how much is going to moderate or how quickly after that. In your view, have we reached peak inflation yet? Yeah, I think we have, although I don't think that's good enough. Um, inflation's going to come down because some of the inflation increase was transitory, and that is coming out. Uh, various goods categories saw artificial scarcities, prices went up. Uh, now that's reversing. Autos are a perfect example. Uh, auto production was was disrupted. Uh, you couldn't buy a new car. It was demand for existing cars, uh, used cars, was very very strong. They became scarce as well. And as the supply of cars uh, increases, prices will weaken, and that's coming into the data. But the underlying trend is driven by the labor market. There's no relief yet in the labor market. Uh, the labor market continues to be very, very tight. Uh, wage increases are solid. Uh, labor is becoming a bit more aggressive in negotiating for wage increases. That's not going away. So it's premature to say that uh, the Fed is anywhere close to achieving what it needs to achieve. And premature then to say pivot, as you, as you point out too. But do we continue to see these aggressive uh, rate hikes of 75 basis points? No, they, they have every reason to slow the pace down. At 75 basis points a clip, uh, it doesn't take very long before the uh, interest rate, the overnight interest rate, is through the roof. So inevitably, they were going to slow. Um, that, was in, that literally had to happen. Uh, and they also need more data. They need to see how much inflation moderates. If inflation comes down easily on its own to 2%, which I doubt, uh, then they don't have to keep on going that far. Uh, but if inflation turns out to be more resilient uh, and stays very elevated, then they might have to go that much more. So I think they're going to slow the pace. Uh, the market expects 50 basis points. I've been in that camp for a little while. I expect another 50 thereafter. Uh, that would take the funds rate up to uh, about 5%. Uh, 
and I think they take it to five, five and a half, and then they pause and they wait to see more data, see how the economy is performing, whether the labor market is beginning to loosen, whether there's any slowing in hiring and whether inflation is moderating more than than I expect. Um, and that all remains to be seen. You talked there about the the strength of the labour market and everybody's waiting to see what kind of wage increases uh, will happen as well, given everybody's dealing with these inflationary pressures. But how did you read the kind of sluggish Black Friday sales if if the consumer doesn't really want to spend there? Well, I thought the uh, retail sales numbers were actually pretty decent. Um, you know, certainly the mix changes. We've seen multiple changes in consumer spending mix uh, during the pandemic. Initially, everything was... Uh, for uh, sheltering at home, uh, bringing in goods to uh, uh, provide uh, uh, services for for people who are literally stuck at home. And then once Mm -hmm. things reopened, then we shifted over to services. Um, And and now I think it's a matter of uh, as long as income is strong, spending will stay strong too and get some of your thoughts on how to play the markets amidst uh, all the geopolitical headwinds that we are facing and, of course, as we're looking to what the Fed does next. You're saying it's too late to sell even if the repricing hasn't hit bottom. So where should you be looking potentially to buy then? Well, typically uh, the market always fights the last war. So the last war from the market's perspective was the uh, credit crisis of 2008. And so everything related to housing is weak. Uh, if you look at the banks, the house home builders, uh, the suppliers to the industry, uh, mortgage insurance, uh, every single one of those sectors is uh, amazingly cheap. You have major banks like Wells Fargo and Citigroup trading around book or less than book. Uh, home builders are trading at three, four, five times earnings. Uh, suppliers, the same thing. Um, mortgage insurance companies trading at seven, eight times earnings. All of these companies are profitable. Many of them are buying back stock. Um, that whole part of the market is just incredibly cheap. What about tech? Do you stay away there or is it opportunity? Well, tech is more complicated. Uh, it's there. That's the part of the market that got hurt the most. Uh, it's the highest PE multiples. Uh, so it's very long lived asset. Higher interest rates hurt that valuation. And we've seen them come down a lot. But that's a broad brush. You then have to look at individual companies and judge whether or not those companies are likely to continue to do well. Uh, Some are very well placed. Uh, We like, uh, uh, for example, a company like Microsoft or Google or Amazon. We think those are great long-term holdings. Uh, In other cases, uh, some of the companies are a lot more expensive, and I would be cautious about them. We're looking at a U.S. 10-year yield of around 3.68%. About a month ago, we're above 4%. You're saying around 3.75 doesn't really provide any real return without a lower inflation rate. And we've talked about when we might see that happen. What is the likelihood then that it is more yields ratchet lower? Where, where are you seeing the 10-year move? Yeah, I'm on the other side of that argument. I think that interest rates have got to go up more. Uh, the Fed is going to continue to hike rates at least 50 basis points uh, at the next meeting, probably another 50 after that. So that'll take the funds rate up to 5%. And with the 5% funds rate, how do you justify a 10-year at the 3.7%? Um, I, I think that's hard to do. Uh, and it's especially hard to do when you put it in the context of inflation. At the end of 2023, 
Uh, I think the Fed would be very happy if inflation were around 4%. That still means a negative rate of return after inflation for any investor in a 10-year security. So uh, I don't think that uh, the, the bond market has fully discounted what it should discount, namely that inflation will be higher for longer and therefore interest rates are relatively unattractive. And uh, just a quick word as well about the the oil market. We were talking earlier about uh, the U.S. granting Chevron a six-month license to resume oil production in Venezuela. At the same time, you've got this China unrest that we also touched on sending ripples throughout uh, the world markets. When we look at uh, those concerns and, of course, the other side of the coin, which is the the reopening, where do you see oil kind of uh, trade when we've got it around $76 a barrel at the moment? Yeah, I I think uh, oil reflects those concerns that you just mentioned, Julian. Um, So I think that's why oil is where it is. But the fact of the matter is oil is pretty scarce. There are shortages. Uh, We're still scrambling to try to get more natural gas to Europe. Um, Supplies of oil are are moving through the back door so Russia can export via India to other parts of the world. Uh, Oil is still pretty scarce. And so I think there's a lot of risk that oil prices move back up uh, to 100 bucks a barrel. Uh, that'll be under a lot of pressure if uh, uh, the winter turns out to be cold and we start uh, dipping into our inventories of both oil and natural gas, and that'll create a lot of upward pressure. So I'm more of a bull on the energy side um, mm. as opposed to uh, thinking that uh, there's weakness ahead. All right, Chuck, great to have your insights. Thanks for joining us on Daybreak Asia. Chuck Lieberman is co-founder and chief investment officer at Advisors Capital Management, joining us from New Jersey. The countdown has begun. This May, a thousand global leaders will gather in Doha for the Qatar Economic Forum powered by Bloomberg, held in conjunction with our official partners, the Qatar Ministry of Commerce and Industry and Media City Qatar and premier sponsor QNB. Join heads of state, influential ministers and leading CEOs to make new connections and gain unique insights. Learn more at CutterEconomicForum.com.